Hey everyone, if you love ice cream as much as I do, you need to hear about my particular favorite, Magnum Ice Cream. They are the best at pairing decadent chocolate with velvety ice cream, and recently, the incredible team, Extraordinaries, there came out with a new flavor featuring the recently discovered Cacao Ruby. Ruby is the first chocolate variant in 80 years and has a little bit of a berry flavor and it's delicious. And they came in cute mini sizes, which makes them perfect for sharing with your loved ones. So next time you go out and get ice cream, definitely get a Magnum ice cream bar and try the new Magnum Ruby minis. Yum. Hi everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe who my next guest is? Barbara Corcoran the incredible woman. I can't even believe she's 70. She acts like she's 20 year old. Uh, we had a great conversation. We did double header. I was on her podcast. She was on mine. So I'm really excited to share this podcast with you. She also read my tarot cards. I don't even know if that's the right way you say it, which was hilarious because I've never let anyone do that for me before. And it was frighteningly accurate. So take a listen. And this is Barbara Corcoran on Superwomen. So I have the honor of being here with Barbara Corcoran. Um, I have been a huge fan not only of her on Shark Tank, but of seeing her name everywhere all over the city as I aspired to afford to rent some of her properties and then maybe Hope buy some I made some, some money of- on you, baby, <laughs> along the way. <laughs> and then maybe buy one day um, and now uh, a fan of the podcast. So thank you for being here with me My today. pleasure. And I'm a fan of your podcast. So oh. We love each other. Yeah. <laughs> So I would love to start uh, a little bit about, you know, in listening to your podcast and hearing your story and the the gusto you had, you know, the screw it, I'm going to start my own company. I'd love to hear about, was that natural for you? How was that how you were raised or what gave you that that bravado? I guess that's a good word, bravado or yeah. courage or yeah. chutzpah or whatever yes. you want to yes. call it. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it was easier than it is for most people. Uh, because of my background. Um, I meet a lot of people in my travels today and in my whole career uh, who have a lot of expectations uh, put on them by their parents. Uh, They're very well educated. Uh, They really have uh, all the reasons why why they're poised for greatness. And I never had any of those monkeys on my back. You know, I was one of 10 kids in a two-bedroom flat making ends meet by my parents. Here in, here in the city? New Jersey. New, New Jersey. Jersey, the state of Ten, New Jersey. Can we go back to the 10 kids, two bedrooms? Because I have yeah, three yeah. and it feels like chaos. So <laughs> talk to me about this 10 kids. Well, you should know uh, what my mother always said about having 10 kids. She said, once I had three, I was out of control. It made no difference. So you have three, you're in just as I bad should have state. 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might as well. And, my, and you have a two-bedroom flat now, as we call it. I do. I hope you have a doorman. We didn't have quite that at the time. <laughs> okay. But... Um, Everything where you are in life, I think, is relative to where you've been. And all your uh, touch points and what you compare things to uh, is what you've known before. So what I knew before is that if you have too little money and you have too little space, that you could have a happy family nonetheless. Uh, And if you don't have privilege, you could have love. And you know, of course, the minute you're out of your home, how important love is. If you have a great parent, you're you're pretty well suited for life, whatever you want to do with it. And I had two great parents that loved me to death. And so luckily for me, uh, jumping off and starting a business was nothing but jump off, give it a whirl, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And because I didn't have any expectations to really be anything. And so it was very, very easy for me uh, to jump because I had nothing to lose and nowhere to go but up. And that's a freedom. 
And so in a way, uh, in a way, overall, I think if you have less, it's easier to start a business. It's, easy, it's way easier. And yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. today, and you probably notice this, there's this coddling around, are we paying enough attention to our children? Are they having oh, all the right opportunities? And guilt in a way, city for parents. Right? Yeah. And in a way, it's kind of like you, you knew love and happiness, mm-hmm. and it didn't occur to you that you were lacking. Or oh, did not it? at all. And not right. only that, we were expected to get the heck out of the house by 18. None of us went to college. I was the first kid to do that because I didn't know what to do with my life. And thank God I got into a college. Um, but uh, no, we were expected to get out and help support the family by the time we were 10 or 11. We were all working something, you know. Uh, but yeah, we were out, gone. And I think I forgot about your question. What the heck was your question? The chutzpah. So I oh, know chutzpah, that yeah. you originally started your business with your mm-hmm. ex-husband. Uh, not my ex-husband. He, Actually, I had my first boyfriend. Your first boyfriend. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. And he had an affair. Yeah. All men have affairs eventually, or the great <laughs> oh, Lord, majority. <laughs> I'll spy on your husband. <laughs> I, you know what? I do a monthly phone sweep where I take his phone whenever, no. and I do a little call, and he knows he better. Oh my you know? god! <laughs> I'm going to get his other phone. I also told him. I said, "Did you he, hear me?" I said, "I'm going to get his other phone." <laughs> I also told him, um, "Well, if you cheat on me, I'll just cheat on you back." Oh boy! That's so a, there we go. Those are fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> so. Touching on the, hopefully all men don't have affairs, but I would love to hone in on that moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some women will crumble and they won't recover. And you were like, I'm taking this opportunity. I'm opening my own business in the same building. I would just love to hear about that thought process. Well, it wasn't quite uh, that neat and clean, I must say, nor was it... Uh, quite uh, that easy. Uh, yeah. Because uh, before, very often before you bounce up and recover on something, you have to feel the pain. Right? Yeah. And so I was uh, living with him for seven years and raising his three kids. I was like the mom. Uh, we weren't married, but for all practical purposes, we worked together, we lived together, we raised the family together. We were very much a unit. Yeah. And he was my first love. And uh, somehow you fall for love deeper, I think, the first time around. Most of us do. 100%. So I was very much in love. And as a consequence, uh, very, very shocked and insulted that he was actually not just telling me he was in love, but he was going to marry my secretary. I mean, so it was all on all fronts. It was a little too close to home. So... Uh, the happy ending is a year later, I finally got the gumption to end the business. But for that year, no, that was probably the worst year of my life. I mean, I'm embarrassed that I even gave it a minute's thought. They were obviously in love, went on to have three children together. They were supposed to be together. Uh, but, uh, but at the time, it was so painful, uh, not so much because of the injury of being traded in for a younger woman, even though I was 29, I felt like I was 90 by that point because of the event. Uh, but it was painful because I lost my confidence of thinking that I could succeed uh, as whatever, who I was, because he found me in my little town, uh, took me out of uh, New Jersey, uh, paid for a week in a hotel in New York so I could see what the city was like, a hotel for old women, that was an opportunity, told me I'd be great uh, in business for myself, uh, suggested he give me a thousand dollars to become my partner uh, and so without him I thought my god where would I be I'd still be behind the waitress counter which wasn't bad I love that job in Fort Lee New Jersey uh, but uh, coming through that year of losing my confidence and then somehow getting angry enough to find it again was the tough part so that's a little different spin then bam she's amazing she hit the floor and bounces up and runs <laughs> it wasn't quite that easy yeah. correct okay 
And so you went on to start your own business. Yes. About a year later. Again. Yes, again. Start all over again. Yeah. So what what was it like starting over again? And what were some of the tools that enabled you to succeed looking back? Uh, fear was a major uh, tool in my tool belt. Scared to death. Uh, we had about $17,000 in receivables coming in. So we divided that as it came in. That was enough to cover my rent, thank God, for three months. Your rent for where you were living or for the office? Uh, the new office, because okay. I took seven. We had 14 uh, rental agents at the time. So we cut them in half. You know, he picked one, I picked one. That was my theory. This is how we're going to end it. And it took us five minutes to end it. <laughs> and then I took my seven people to a new space the following Monday, which I didn't know where it was going to be, but I found one. And uh, and that was the beginning of the second business. Wow. Yeah. And fast forward, you yes. sold that business for how much? Oh, 66 million cash. The key on the word cash. And I signed that contract on Friday night before 9-11. And by Monday, they were trying to wiggle out of the contract. It was supposed to close. Um, and then they didn't in the end. They actually uh, stayed with the contract because because of a number of actions I took to persuade them. And I closed on that business the month after 9-11. Yeah. Wow. And by the time you were ready to sell, some people theoretically, mm -hmm. you know, joke, I'm ready to sell. They hit that moment. And then they're like, oh, now what do I do? Did you have that feeling or you knew you wanted to be? I was regretful initially wow. uh, because what you don't realize when you're building a company is you're building a family, which is exactly what it is. You know, you find your people. Uh, they come through the thick and thin with you. Uh, you uh, choose who you want to hang out with. And if you're good at building a business, you're a great team. What I didn't realize in selling my business was that I was selling my family. And so um, after the business was sold, I'm like, what did I do that for? Right. I'm, I was lonely. I missed the camaraderie, the challenge of uh, dreaming up something on a Monday and getting on the street by Friday, which is a great uh, freedom of paint shop. You kind of have, here's a big brush. Let me paint my next picture. I had no canvas, no paintbrush, no team members. Now, don't feel sorry for me. I had $66 million in the in the bank, which which helped. I mean, there was an excitement to that. Could you believe it? I started with the bad of 66 million. So all that euphoria wore off quickly as you had the silence of uh, realizing you were by yourself. And what were you going to do with the rest of your life? Yeah. So what, what did you decide to do with the rest of your life? Well, I'd given birth to my son, Tommy, at 46, through many years of in vitro. So having him was just like a miracle, what I had always dreamt about. And so he was three when I sold the business. Or was he four? About there, somewhere there. And uh, what I was going to do is be a full-time mom. I was going to be a super mom and enjoy every minute and put everything I could into this kid that I had waited so long for. That was the plan. It didn't go as planned. I took my first cooking lesson while he was in kindergarten <laughs> and realized, okay, I learned how to make a pasta sauce. What do I do now? <laughs> so you knew at that moment you said, okay, plan next business. You know what I said? Holy shit. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> and I didn't know what to do now. And right. that started the process of reinventing myself, trying to figure out what I could throw myself at. Uh, for the rest of my life. I had planned to do a part-time business. Okay. I'll be a part-time something while he's in school, and then I'll be there 24-7 when Tommy comes home. But as you know, building any business never really gets started if it's part-time. It's time and a half. Yep. And so I went back to the board and decided what my talents were and what kind of business I could build around it. Yeah. 
And how long was that span of time before then Shark Tank? Oh, a lot of years. I mean, it's uh, yeah, there's no shortcut. I don't care who you are and what your notoriety is or what you've accomplished before. Starting again is exactly starting again. Yeah. Uh, you would think, I even thought I had a tremendous Rolodex uh, through the press that I built, uh, contacts I could build, I had built over the years, but they were in real estate. And of course, in any other field, they were useless. Right. But what I had was myself. And a little by little, inch by inch, I started realizing it wasn't an accident that I was able to build a company that it probably had something to do with me. Up until that point, I really credited the entire success of the business to the team that built it with me, which was true. But then I had to remind myself, I was the person who chose the team and I could probably do it again. And that's what gave me enough confidence and traction to push forward into a new field. And what was that first new field? It was uh, media uh, because I sat down and made a list of what I was good at. I knew very well what I was bad at, uh, but I knew I was good at the things I enjoyed. What I enjoyed was an audience, without a doubt. I love to be adored. Uh, what I enjoyed doing was talking, speaking uh, versus writing or editing. Uh, so I thought to myself, okay, what could I do where I'm speaking and have an audience? And I thought, well, I could give speeches, but I felt that that was going to get old fast and didn't have enough change. And so I thought, ah, I'll go in the TV business. And as luck would have it, as you know, um, bad news prints, as they say. And as luck would have it, well, lucky for me, unlucky for all the homeowners, the market crashed in real estate. And suddenly the news media was interested in how to navigate through choppy waters and real estate was constantly in the news. How bad is it? This bad. How bad is bad? This bad, 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 bad. And my mouth was the one talking it. And so I started getting traction in news media channels as the expert in real estate, which I knew. Uh, but that caught the eye of Shark Tank because I started doing so much TV and they thought maybe I might be good in that role. And your son never missed the stay-at-home mom. <laughs> Funny enough, <laughs> when he was old enough to be coherent, when my second career wasn't totally full-time by any means because I didn't have enough traction, he would constantly say, when are you getting a job, mom? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> As was my husband. Right. As was I. Get We're out of the here. Same team. Please yeah, get yeah, back yeah. to work. So now, obviously, with the career you've built, the the exposure you have is huge. How do you deal with everyone wanting a piece of you? And the feeling maybe of gratefulness, but also like, leave me alone. I just want to walk down the street or I can't invest oh. in you, random stranger at a restaurant. Well, that, um, honestly, I'm accustomed to. Right. And thank God I love people. So uh, once in a while when I'm really tired, it's like, oh, God, another selfie. Hide me, you know. And if I don't wear any makeup because I'm so fair, no eyelashes without mascara, uh, no eyebrows without eyebrow pencil. And if I don't color my hair, I'm sure I'm white. I have no idea what color my hair is. <laughs> but if I don't wear makeup, uh, I can actually walk anywhere and uh, no one bothers me. I have an advantage. If I was a brunette, uh, you can't hide that kind of stuff, right? right. And so I really uh, walk around with great freedom until I open my mouth and then people say, I know your voice. Right. <laughs> so I don't say anything. So I can get that privacy when I want it. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, I'm fine with all of that, honestly, as long as my kids aren't around. It's a pain in the neck, pain in the neck for them. They get to, people ask them, could you hold my camera? Okay. Hey, can you take a selfie? They, they become my assistant on the street if I have makeup on. Uh, but for the most part, uh, uh, I have really no issue with that. Yeah. And when people 
have the perception you've you've attained a certain level of success mm -hmm. but i always talk about in business just because we have success doesn't mean the challenges are gone they're bigger or, right they're bigger so uh with what you're doing now what are some of the challenges that you faced and how have you sort of overcome them uh, the biggest a, challenge, well, I can answer the first part. I'm not sure I'm going to be very good at overcoming them because I work on that daily. Uh, when I built the real estate business, the key to the business was the front line, the salespeople. So I had a thousand people that went out every day, got listings, sold listings. And my job was to lead them and to motivate them, hire them, recruit them, lead them, motivate them. I knew exactly what my job was. And as long as I could do that really well, I could build a huge business. Okay. When I came into the media business, I should have really analyzed that little piece a little bit more because in a way I am the salesman out there getting the listing motivating <laughs> whatever it's my job I'm the I am the business personally and uh, there's no way to delegate that there's really no way to delegate that if I had gone into the say the production piece of the TV world I could have delegated that and probably would have maybe even done a lot better okay uh, but uh, it's hard to be the outside man on the inside man and that's a constant struggle how to do them both efficiently but what I have learned is I rely much more heavily on the talent of the inside staff not that I didn't anyway in building my first business but now I can't be inside driving the business so I need more capable business people doing it for me so that I can be the talent on the outside but I still try to do both not so well. <laughs> Spread a little thin. Just a little. Just a little. Do you turn off? Um, I turn off out of sheer, unadulterated exhaustion. Like when I can get to the bed, I'll put my head down, and I could barely turn out the light because I pass out as though someone drugged me. That's my turn off, but there's nothing in between. That's a good feeling. Not a good feeling. I would like to have, like, I keep dreaming about those nights at home where I'm just reading gardening books. I did that. I did that 25 years ago. It was my love of relaxing. But by the time I opened that gardening book, I can't even read the first paragraph. I'm so worn <laughs> out. <laughs> so I've got to work on that one, too. Add it to my list. <laughs> I would love to talk about, in the work with women and in all my work, we talk about glass ceilings and, you know, having to fight. And the previous mm. generation is had to experience far worse than what we're experiencing and complaining about now. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about some of the things you had to do to break through or be taken seriously, or maybe that didn't happen and you were just like, I am here because I earned this. You will listen to me. Uh, I don't, I don't think, uh, well, somewhere in between there. Um, you have to remember, I started my business very young. Yeah. So glass ceiling, I associate with corporate America. Perhaps it's used differently today, mm -hmm. uh, but I never encountered a glass ceiling because I made my own ceiling. Right. Okay, when you're an entrepreneur, uh, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. You just create your own world as you like it. Yep. Now, it doesn't mean that any of us operate in a vacuum and we're not uh, constrained by our context. I had competitors, all men. I had developers, all men. I had bankers, all men, okay? And that, you would think, would be very discouraging. Uh, but I didn't pay attention to it, honestly. I was so busy working my ass off to make ends meet and to figure out what I was going to do to make the next turn that needed to be made, like, within a minute, yeah. okay, uh, that I never really thought of myself as a female. I just thought of myself as a competitor. Yeah. So I was focused on my male colleagues, the guys that were so big, the old boys club that owned the real estate world that I became the number one rival. 
I was bent and determined to beat them. But I never thought of myself, I'm a woman bent and determined to beat the boys. I just didn't see the sex, you know. Right. I did take advantage of my sex card. I was young. I was pretty. Um, I had a mediocre body, but I had great legs. And I wore tight, tight, really short skirts. Probably in hindsight, it was probably, uh, probably a little residual from my upbringing in New Jersey. <laughs> but nonetheless, when I walked into a room, they would look at my legs, and I didn't care. They, they, they couldn't wear short skirts, and I had one over them. But that's about as much as I used that female card. Uh, the rest of it was more just uh, my sense of, I'm going to beat you. You know, if you think about it, uh, the boys, the old boy network, did me a great, great favor uh, coming up through the ranks. Uh, they offended me. And I didn't even think of them as men offending me. They just didn't take me seriously. And when I wasn't taken seriously, I was injured by it. But I have this Irish temper in me. I would come back and I go, you just watch me, baby. You don't take me seriously. That's an advantage. I'm going to come back and bite your ass. I'm going to get you. And I would kill myself to outdo them. They became my enemy. They're kind of sick. Truthfully, I should have had a shrink my whole life. I would have been nah. much yeah, overrated. Overrated. Well or you something. had it. You had the fight. It kind of reminds me when my when my parents had me. I was the third, and I was the first girl, and they didn't know I was going to be a girl. And my mom's first thought was, "I got to teach her how to fight." She said that. Yeah, amazing. So I feel like that, and I also never thought of myself as a woman mm. in a business until so many people said, what's it like to be a female founder? And I was oh, and like, that, huh? You weren't thinking of yourself that way, no, right? No, yeah. I never thought about it that way. But I think it's maybe in your upbringing, I don't know. But in mine, it was, you're equal, you're a fighter. Yeah. You're equal, you know, you fight as hard as these boys are. Yeah. Do you know what I think, uh, which uh, a little uh, pet peeve me, I'm constantly asked, what's it like to be a female entrepreneur? Right. How was it like to be a female and all that? I think uh, the best thing we can do for putting women ahead in business is A, uh, the more women that create worlds of their own in business, entrepreneurship, the better. But also, I think the real question is, what's it like to be a fighter? What's it like to compete? What's it like to uh, get over an obstacle? I think leaving the female name out of that whole mm -hmm. scenario, as long as you're interviewing females, is the way to go. I think it, it kind of almost diminishes, like as though... It's a special category. I right. think the the specialness taken out of it that we're just we're just entrepreneurs right. is a, is a better way to go. A hundred percent. Yeah, agreed. So, how do you multitask with all that you do? Um, I have a harder time with it. Um, I'm not quite sure why that is. I, I I think about it a lot because I don't like it. I multitask because I'm trying to be on the outside and the inside at the same time. Um, I multitask because of constant interruption. Uh, which is always part of business, but more so today. And most importantly, I multitask do many things at once in an interrupted fashion uh, because of social media, your telephone, your computer. Your, it's just, it's constantly coming at you in little bite-sized pieces that you can hardly chew and swallow. Yeah. And so you, we live, or I feel like I live in a world of interruption. Uh, I think I have less, uh, less good, deep, thoughts, and I don't mean philosophical thoughts, I mean just even in running the business. I think I have uh, less good follow-through because of the interruption. I think I have less uh, good plans, and I don't mean a business plan for a year. I'm talking about accomplishing a specific task well and thoroughly with enough thought put into it so that you don't piss away time later by not covering the details sooner, you know? I have a hard time with that, 
And uh, I believe the rabbit hole of the phone for me, where I operate almost my own, my whole business on my cell phone, because I'm always on my feet moving, um, I believe is uh, is a real uh, detriment to how I operate today. I think I was far more effective and efficient without so much multitasking 10 years back. Much, much more so, I think so. Oh, I dream of the fax machine. Mm, the fax machine? You yes. actually wait for the fax to I, come through. Wait for it. I remember those days. And then pretend you don't get it so you don't have to do it because you're busy doing something else. Exactly. Or no you more luxury. It. Yeah. And the letters came in all blurry. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, we have a fax machine. I'll sell it to you at a very good price before you leave. <laughs> Thank you. A relic. <laughs> so you asked me the balance question. You mm-hmm. know my answer. Yeah, yeah, you've got the best answer. I'm not What's, even going to attempt oh, to do that. Oh, come on. I want to know, like, how did you build another huge career? You know, mm-hmm. not well, necessarily with balance, but what was your path? Uh, honestly, I didn't do a very good job of that. And I don't do a good job of it now, but I do have a couple of things I use, if it's useful, uh, that help me. I don't do a good job, but I'm helped by these things, okay? Uh, One of the things I do is I'm always afraid of dying before I had too much fun, and so I've always put tremendous emphasis on dying uh, early. I was worried about dying at 30, 40, 50. Now I'm 70. I'm so worried about dying. Uh, It's good and it's bad. It's good in that I have an urgency toward living and having fun. Always have. Like, I'm going to run out of time any minute. The stop. Oh, my God, that clock might stop ticking. Uh, but it's terrible because it's fearful. Uh, but what it does get me to do is always uh, plan my vacations well, well in advance. I will go uh, through my calendar and have my vacations knocked out for weeks, way in advance of the year. Uh, even though I don't know where I'm going to go, who I'm going to go with, what I'm going to do. Because it's very easy to fill in the blanks, very hard to make the space later. And so even knowing I'm looking forward, I have three weeks, I'm going to go away again, even if I haven't had time to plan it. It's so exciting to look forward to. Okay, so that I'm very, very good at. And I've been very loyal, loyal with. And I made that a company culture at the Corcoran Group where every salesman I had them all open up their written calendars and, and we'd spend the first 10 minutes crossing out the time in their own books. Uh, so everybody vacation because no one vacation in the real estate business. And I created a culture for myself and for the people around me. I do that very well. So I always plan for fun first okay and then the only other thing i do well is i find that the only way to get a break from your phone is to take the damn phone when you're charging it and get the charger out of your living space so i plug it into the hallway when i come home so i don't look at it Mm -hmm. and uh, somehow just knowing it's not in my space i feel better control of myself you know I, i really live in my home like it's a home well, what do I do? I come in, I crash, I go to sleep. But at least it's not on my bed or my bed table, right? Uh, because I don't have the uh, willpower to ignore it. Because it's also juicy what your phone brings you. It's juicy and delicious, and I'm so curious. But it's also the damnation of you because it sucks away so many hours so quickly, and you don't know where the heck they went. And you're not really living life in the present then. No, we're looking at people or talking to them in the eye you're not and if you are talking to people uh you're taking a video of them or snapshots uh, almost like proof that you're living it's it's really it's like a thief in the night totally yeah ariana huffington said that you know we're giving our people are making money off of sucking our attention onto these things Ooh, a negative know? spin yeah True. And every time I'm on my phone, I'm like, oh, someone's making money. But did I make any money by looking at this photo? What a paranoid way, but good way to look at (laughs) it. I'm throwing out my phone. (laughs) 
<laughs> Get a little analog, you know, wow. little blackberry. You could invest in blackberry. Can I Bring tell them back you, from the more brain, people Barbara. are saying they're going to get a flip phone. Yeah. I'm not sure what the reasoning there, but if I hear one more person, I'm going to get myself a flip phone. Yeah, or a yeah. bumblebee. What's so skinny on that? Why is a flip phone better than this phone? Because you have to text, one. you have to press three buttons, you can't see anything on Instagram, you can't call your Uber, there's no oh. Amazon. It's just literally a phone. It's just a phone. Oh, I would go crazy. I mean, how do you get anywhere without an Uber? That that I don't know. I would have a phone that's just like your Uber phone. Mm, you, you know, know what? You know what we're gonna do? What? You're gonna get yourself a private driver seven days a week, and you're gonna let me borrow them. Perfect. But how am I gonna call them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I have three last questions. Three. How do you know you have three last questions? How do you know you have exactly three before you finish? Because I had two and then you said something and it made me want to ask one more. Okay. Because I always end my podcast with two questions. Okay. But then you said something about culture. Okay. Which I feel is really important in creating culture. Oh, yeah. So you created an amazing sought after culture at Corcoran. And I'd love to hear your reasoning behind that. Because some people just view people as, you know, transactional and you're here and hired, but you obviously brought the love. Well, no one's successful. Uh, thinks of people as transactional. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you think about it, if you're going to have more than one person in your company, uh, it's going to be as good or as bad on the strength of the first person you hire. Not that you don't count. Of course, you're running the business. Uh, but you get a team of 10 people and you have one clunker, uh, incapable, or you get a team of, of 10 people, you have one complainer, uh, already uh, you've diminished your company, all yeah. right? And so there's, a, there's two sides to culture, I think. One is making sure you bring the right people through the gate, okay? So taking your time on hiring, getting recommendations for uh, who you should hire. Um, I never advertise, even though I have a small company now of eight people, I never advertise when we grow by one person. I always ask people, Dozens of people, I value their opinion. Who do you know? Who do you know? I described the job. Best way for me to recruit the right people. And I did the same thing at Corcoran. I had 1,000 salespeople and probably 250 employees when I sold it. Uh, but recommendation was always, for me, the way to go. Good people recommend good people, all right? Um, but you got to be careful about who you let in the gate, and you got to make sure you get a clunker, you get them out of there as fast as you can, as though they're poison. And that was easy for me to do, uh, because if I had a clunker in the company that was negative in some way or, or working against our interest, um, I thought they were attacking my children. That's how I felt like, you don't dare touch my kid, like the bully on the playground. A bad kid I want to separate out from my good kid. And so I was always protective. Um, the other piece of the culture is what else you can make that's special in the culture. And for me, it was fun. I mean, we worked our asses off, but part of the reason everybody worked 150% in that firm over all those years and made such a powerful company is because we had a blast doing it. We had our February parties where we dressed in costumes that I dictated, 1920s, dress as nuns, dress in pajamas, dress cross-dress. I mean, we always had themes. We had helicopters, elephants. We had whatever I could think of that was shocking. We had shoeshine boys on Tuesday. We had manicurists every Monday and Friday. We had, we just had stuff all the time. And what that did for the people in the company is they knew they were in a special place. It wasn't like I had to say, you are in a special place, be grateful. But I wanted to have fun and everybody had fun along with me. And so as a result of that, you had a creative culture. Because if you're going to have a lot of fun in a company, what happens is you get creativity. You can't mandate creativity. Boom. You just happen to have uh, creative thinkers because everybody feels the freedom to be wrong and to think of good ideas. I love it. Yeah. 
So uh, I'd love for you to share, I ask this to every guest, what's something we'd be surprised to know about you? It can be personal, professional, there is a nothing, bad habit, nothing. 34B, maybe I haven't said that before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and pushing on the B part lately, okay. Um, honestly, nothing, you know, because I don't have any. Um, no quirks. I gotta come up with something. I'm gonna have an affair tonight, you call me tomorrow and go, I had my first affair. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I guess I should have embellished on the, um, the husband checking the phone because when I said... <laughs> Can I'm, I tell you, I should have made that joke. Every man has a fan. That's not true. My husband, I believe, but I'm going to check his phone tonight, is loyal as could be. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he is. But I, I was going to add a footnote yeah. that when I, I was trying to eat even when I said, honey, if you cheat on me, I'm going to cheat on you with a woman. And he was like... With a and woman, I'm you say? Upset about that? Can I watch? And Can I was I like, in? exactly. And I was like, oh, I guess that wasn't my like. Oh, I'm gonna get you. Oh, you didn't get. You didn't make it so evil then. You no. just offered to tease him with a party, a menage a trois. Yes, that was my. That was my bad there. Okay. Um, and then lastly, you've offered amazing advice throughout this interview. But is there is there one nugget that has gotten you through, or that you have been given that is like a. A surefire piece of advice for our uh, listeners? I don't think there's anything business like that. I think the things that really surefire you and push you forward and get you through are always very personal. Always personal. Uh, somehow it hits your hot spot. And for me, the best thing that happened to me, a few things that happened, two best things that happened to me is uh, being the dumb kid at school and being made fun of. It prepared me for life not to give a damn what people think. And I really don't give a damn what people I mean, I can't say that unequivocally. For, compared to anybody I know, I don't give a damn what people think. And I came out of you know, school with that attitude because I was so accustomed to being the outsider and the outcast that it made me an innovator. I really attribute my innovation and my ability to imagine uh, to being so bad at school. So what's the worst thing? If you could locate it in your childhood, uh, you could really make it your best thing when you grow up, okay? That, that is key to me. And then the other is, uh, I know so many people I've invested in their businesses from Shark Tank and also peers who I've known through business over the years who found uh, great fervor and great motivation in insult. Insult is a great motivator. Uh, when I was leaving Ramon Simone that day to start my own business, uh, he gave me the gift of a lifetime. Now I know it, or I've known knew it within five years. It was a gift at the time. It was horrible, but he said, "You know, you'll never succeed without me." Mm. What an insult! I'm like, I'd rather die than let you see me not succeed, baby doll. Okay, and I have to say that a lot of people, when they feel insulted or raged. Uh, don't realize that that's juice for the soul. You can really get even with life, the person, whatever. Maybe a sick place to come from, I'm sure. Probably not the healthiest. But you can find great fervor bouncing off of insult. And interesting enough, each of my most successful entrepreneurs from Shark Tank had some crap like that happen. Yep. Their own version of it that they're being to show to show. And it's really a gift. And I think uh, I think recognizing that as a potential gift is often overlooked. I yeah. love it. That's all I could say. And I think that I hope that answered your question. It totally um, answered it. Good, because I now can't even remember the question by the time I start talking. This is a very bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need cue cards with the questions I keep staring we'll at. flash them. Okay. Thank you for being on today. Lovely. You're very easy to speak with. Yeah. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> that was Barbara Corcoran. You obviously know where to find her. You can tune into Shark Tank. You can buy her books. 
You can see her on TV daily uh, or follow her on Instagram and definitely listen to her podcast, 888-BARBARA. So many entrepreneurs on there giving you amazing tips. So uh, support another lady, yo. 